We came running down the hallway, and you could hear him come running down the hallway, and there was an urgent knock on our door, and we opened up the door. We were in college. We opened up the door to our dorm room, and he said, can you do me a favor? Never answer that question with yes. Always follow up with, what do you need? And uh, that's what I did. I said, well, what, what do you need? He said, I need to borrow your car. And I said, no way. There is no chance I'm letting you borrow my car. He's like, come on, I really need it. I'm like, there's no way I'm letting you borrow my car. He said, why not? I'm like, well, first of all, I don't know you that well. Second of all, I have no idea if you have any insurance. Third of all, you don't have a car because a couple months ago you totaled your car and your parents told you they're sick of you wrecking cars. They're not getting you any more cars. So no, you can't borrow one of my cars. Five minutes later, my roommate walks in and he picks up his car keys. I'm like, where are you going? He's like, oh, I'm just letting the guy down the hall borrow my car. I'm like, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. He's like, it's too late. I already told him he could. And I'm like, oh, you're going to regret that. He didn't end up regretting it. Nothing was wrong with the car. But what I recognized in that moment is there, there are different things I will do to to different people. If I trust you, sure, I'll let you borrow something. If I don't know you that well and I don't trust you, if you want to borrow something that's five or ten bucks, absolutely. If you ask to borrow my car, sure, it's a 2010 Honda Civic. Anybody can borrow my car at this point in time. When I first got the car, probably not. Unless you're somebody that's really close to me. Unless you're somebody that, that I know and, and, and that I love, and then even if it's brand new, sure, I'll let you borrow my car. And so when the car was brand new, my wife asked if she could drive the car. <laughs> Mind you, we'd had it for less than two weeks at this point in time, and I said, sure. Now, I recognize that most husbands, when they get a new car, would just ask their wife, would you like to drive the new car? But I'm not most husbands, and so Brooke was still driving a little bit older of a car, and she wanted to drive the newer car, and so we, we'd just been married. This was our first major purchase together. I'm like, sure, you can, you can drive the new car, and so she took it to Walmart, and on the way, walking out of Walmart with some friends, she watched as a local priest backed into our car that was two weeks old at this point in time, and then pulled away. Without, without leaving a note or anything else. She got the license plate. We had a friend in the police department. He ran a report. It was a priest from the town over who hit us, and he just left. And shortly after that, she was never allowed to drive the car again for a while. There, listen, there has to be a period to rebuild trust. We were newlyweds, and she wrecked the car. She's like, I had nothing to do with it. It didn't happen when I drove the car. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But if, if Brooke asked me to do a favor, generally the answer is going to be yes. It should always be yes, but I'm imperfect. And so there are sometimes I'm selfish. There are sometimes I don't want to. But if Brooke asked me, hey, can you do me a favor? I'm going to say yes more often than not. A lot of times I'm going to say yes. If my best friend calls me up and says, hey, can you do me a favor? I'm going to say yes. If Derek calls me up and says, Hey, can you do me a favor? Probably not. You know, it's just the matter. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's a joke, everybody. It's a joke. But there's relationship there. There's a relationship. And so as a result of that relationship, I'm more inclined to do them a favor. And this morning, as we continue our look at 1 Peter chapter 2, we're going to see that God asks us to do him a favor. 
If you have your phones or your tablets, I'd invite you to follow along with us as we wrap up our look at 1 Peter chapter 2 today. We're going to start in 1 Peter 2.13 in the Bible app. It's a free resource that you can download in the app store of your choosing. Once it's installed on your device within the Bible app, there's a feature called Events. And there you can follow along with us. You can make notes. You can highlight verses and everything else. If you have a traditional Bible with you, we're going to be again in the New Testament book of 1 Peter, the second chapter, starting in verse 13. And for those of you streaming from home, thank you for joining us. The verses will be available on the screen below. As we read 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, we read this. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. Let me read that again. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For the Lord's sake. For the Lord's sake, what? Be subject, be subject for the Lord's sake to what? Every human institution, every human institution, whether, whether you like it or not, it doesn't matter. It's not a point of personal preference. God's saying, hey, because you follow me, for me, this is what I need you to do. Because you follow me, you submit yourselves you submit yourselves to human institutions. You submit yourselves to governments. You submit yourselves to the rule of law, whether you like it or not, for my sake, for my sake. Now, clearly we see elsewhere in Scripture that if we are ever in a situation where the government oversteps, where the government tries to hinder our following Jesus, we certainly see it's all right for us to reject that. We see that in Daniel. That's one famous instance of that, where Daniel outrightly rejected, rejected the decree that he wasn't supposed to pray to God. And not only did he reject the decree, but he made sure to do so publicly. And so this isn't a blanket that if the government were ever to come into play and to say, hey, you can't worship God, that we just blindly follow that. But as it's God-honoring, we are to honor God, and we are to follow the government, whether we agree with them or not, whether we like them or not. And I'm fascinated by the tragedy that we saw this past week, and our hearts just, they just break. And, and there's so many, there's anger, and there's upset, and there's rage, and, and it, it's, it's dividing people, and people are arguing about solutions. And what I, I would just want us right now to just take some time and and just to pray for the families in Texas and this unspeakable tragedy that they've experienced, for us to just ask God to intervene, we know the only solution to this is ultimately for people's hearts to be redirected and ultimately for people's hearts to follow Jesus. And where you stand on other peripheral issues of, 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 of firearms and response times of first responders and everything else, that's, you're welcome and you're entitled to your viewpoint and your belief in that. And, and we can have differing viewpoints on that all within the same community, all within people that follow Jesus, and that's perfectly okay. But let's remember at the forefront the one thing that we can all agree on, and that is we live in a world that is broken, and we live in a world that is in desperate need of hope. And I'm fascinated that 
this week as the tragedy was unfolding, of course, the response when, when anything like this unfolds is to, to reach out to the police and we can debate whether or not they responded accordingly. We can, we can debate, we can, we can criticize how, how they handled their duty. I'm fascinated that just a couple years ago, at the same time, the George Floyd incident occurred where George Floyd was in police custody and his, his life was ended and we can argue and we can de- debate on we can debate on all these things and, and here's here's really the problem is we live in a we live in a society right now that that wants to just take a side and, and fight everybody else. And the reality is this are there bad police? Yes. Are there good police? Yes. And, and the problem becomes, it's, it's, not just, it's not just police. They're bad pastors. They're bad teachers. They're bad politicians. They're, they're bad everything. It's, it's, not, it's not isolated to, to law enforcement. Without question, they're bad police. Without question, they're bad pastors. Without question, they're bad business leaders. Without question, they're bad teachers. There, there are people that make bad choices and bad decisions. And the problem is when we want to paint people with a broad brush. On one hand, when we look at police officers like they're the devil and they can do no right, that's a wrong perspective. And it's also a wrong perspective when we look at police officers or anybody else like they're God and that they're infallible and they're incapable of making mistakes. That's, that's also a wrong response. And yet, within all of this, what we are told here is that as people that follow Jesus, it is our responsibility to honor these institutions that God has established. That doesn't mean that we can't question them. It doesn't mean that if there is an injustice, we can't, we can't seek to have it corrected. And that's one of the reasons I'm so thankful for living in the country that we live in, afforded with the liberties that we've been afforded is that the, the word of police isn't the end-all, be-all, that they serve a job to serve and protect the community. But we have a checks and balances system in our society with a court system that allows the accused to, to stand before the accusations and to challenge those. And I'm thankful for that freedom. I'm thankful for that opportunity and that ability. And, But as people that follow Jesus, just because there are some bad officers and just because there have been some bad responses, it doesn't give us the right or permission for us to try to tear down the institution. It doesn't give us the right or the permission to label all officers as bad people and say, we're just not going to listen to them. We're just not going to follow them. God says, no, as a result of you following me, make yourself Make yourself submit to every human institution. Put yourself there. Be subject to them because they are established by God. And I know that's, that's a lot for us to, to think through. But again, I'm thankful to live in a society that enables the checks and balances. I'm thankful for the men and women who have served our country. Tomorrow we remember those who've paid the ultimate price and and giving their lives to afford us the freedoms that we have, to afford us the freedom to be here today, to afford us the freedom to live in a society where there are those checks and those balances, where there isn't authoritarian rule. I am thankful for all the incredible blessings that God has given us. Is our country perfect? No. Are there problems with our system? Unquestionably, yes. 
But the reality is this, there is no perfect system other than a theocracy. And that is why we live in our, we live in our society and we can point out things that, that are wrong with our society, and rightfully so. But just remember, one day, for those of us that follow Jesus, we will be part of a perfect kingdom. We will be part of a theocracy where God is in control and Jesus rules and reigns, sin is no more, and everything is restored as it should be. But in the meantime, we live in a very broken and a very flawed world. And we saw that on full display this week with the tragedy in Texas. So right now, I'm just going to invite you to pause in your heart and ask God to work, ask God to comfort those families who are dealing with a loss that I can't even imagine. Ask God to intervene, and then I'll come and pray, and collectively, we'll continue. pray, God, that you would comfort the hearts of those dealing with a loss we can't even imagine. We pray that somehow, God, in the midst of this tragedy, you would be glorified. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And I want you to remember, remember one more thing before we move on to verse 15. As we're as we're told to be subject to every human institution. That Peter's writing this letter, remember, to followers of Jesus who've had to scatter because they've experienced persecution. The rulers that are going after the recipients of this letter because they've made the decision to follow Jesus Those are the rulers that the recipients who've experienced persecution from are being told to be subject to. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Guard the way you live. Guard the way you live. If for no other reason, guard the way you live so you can shut up your critics. There is nothing more satisfying, is there? There is nothing more satisfying than just shutting up a critic. When they're like, oh, well, you're this, 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 and this, and you're like, oh, really? Boom. Yahtzee. Guess I'm not. I mean, there's just something. There's just something that's so satisfying about that. And God says, hey, you want to know what's really satisfying? You want to know a way that's really satisfying? You can do that by doing good. Doing good because you follow me. Doing good because you follow me. For this is the will of God. How do we follow God? By submitting to the human institutions that he's put in place. Guard the way you live to shut up your critics. Live as people who are free. 
Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Live in freedom and leverage that freedom. Live in freedom. You are free as a result of your relationship with God. So live in that freedom. You are no longer bound by sin. Enjoy that freedom and live in that freedom. And how do you best live in that freedom? By leveraging that freedom for you to make a difference, for you to serve God with the gifts and the talents and the abilities that he's given you. You leverage that and you serve God you serve God and I just want to remind you no matter how you're wired no matter how you're gifted you have the potential and you have the ability to serve God one of the things that we're passionate about here at Lakeside is offering people opportunities to utilize the gifts and abilities that they have to serve God and to serve one another this past Monday, we had 22, uh, 22 yards of mulch delivered here at the church. The first round, we had 15 yards of mulch. We had a crew of eight guys, eight guys out here. That mulch was spread in an hour. And then we recognized, we don't have enough. And so we called them, and we're like, hey, can we get some more delivered on Thursday? Because we talked to the team, and they're like, yeah, we can come back out on Thursday. And Derek, Scott, and I are like, yeah, we need to do this with the team because we, we don't want to do this alone. We've done that before. And uh, we called, and they're like, yeah, we can't do Thursday, but we can do today. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. So we got seven more yards delivered. Fifteen yards with a team of eight went by in one hour. Seven yards with Derek and me. So like a man and a half, right? One, one man here, half, half a man over there. I mean, he's really, he's got big arms, but they're weak. So we, uh, we, we loaded up, we loaded up those wheelbarrows and it took us to do seven yards, two hours. And then I had some mulch delivered to my house this week, which was five yards. And my wife helped me with a little bit of that. And my neighbor helped me with some of it. And that took me about four hours. Now, why do I tell you that? Because some people would never think, hey, I've got the ability to, to do landscaping and I can serve God with that. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? If you can move a wheelbarrow, if God's given you a passion to do that, if you like to get your hands dirty, there's an opportunity for you here. Donna, Donna does our flowers out front all the time, and it just looks so beautiful when you arrive at our campus. And why does this matter? Because people that are new to Lakeside generally are going to make their mind up in the first five minutes that they're here whether or not they're going to come back. We've got events that are, that are coming up where, where people are using their gifts with, with, with jewelry making, and, and there's just a whole wide array of things that we have available that you can do. Use your gift. Use the freedom that you found in Jesus to make a difference and serve people. Serve people. But here's the deal. The way that you live your life matters because people are going to hear the message that you proclaim, but they're going to look at your life more than they hear the message that you proclaim. And what Peter reminds us here is don't use your freedom that you found in Jesus for evil, but instead leverage it for good. Leverage it for good. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Honor everyone. Now, this isn't a hard concept, but it's hard in practice. Honor everyone. Honor everyone. 
Love the brotherhood. So Peter, Peter says, hey, remember this. Remember this. Honor everyone. Okay? Love the brotherhood. Love people that have made the decision to follow Jesus. That's not that hard. Okay, I mean, that's sometimes hard. But by and large, the, the majority of people that follow Jesus are, are a pleasure to be around and a delight. And we all know those who aren't. And if you don't know anybody who isn't, it's because it's you. All right? But that's just, I mean, I'm just here to help. It's, love, love others. Fear God. We're like, okay, okay. And then we come back to honor the emperor. What if you didn't vote for the emperor? Honor the emperor. What if you don't like the emperor? Honor the emperor. What if the emperor is causing persecution so that you have to leave the life that you knew and your family and your home behind and go somewhere else? Honor the emperor. You didn't vote for President Biden? Honor the emperor. You didn't vote for President Trump? Honor the emperor. There, I've made everybody mad, okay? It's what I do. <laughs> Honor the emperor. Doesn't mean you have to like them. It doesn't mean you have to vote for them. But it does mean you have to respect the position that God has them in. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect. Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. Respect your boss. As part of following God, what he wants us to do is respect your boss. Respect your boss. And when you have a great boss, that's easy. But he says, don't just respect the great bosses. Respect even the bad ones. And I better not hear an amen from Derek, Scott, or John on that point. But here's the, here's the deal. Even if you have a bad boss, respect him. Respect them. That's, that's what God wants for those that follow him. Why? Because this says something about us. And when you find yourself at the place of employment and everybody else hates the boss and everybody else is disrespectful of the boss, you merely respecting the boss, again, you don't have to love them, but you respecting them says something about you. And again, one of the things that I love about the society in which we live is we have the ability to freely move about. And so if you find yourself in a situation right now where you hate going to work and you find yourself doing a task that just drains you and isn't, isn't fulfilling at all, I would just encourage you right now is an incredible time for you to seek out a new environment for employment, for you to find another opportunity. It is a great job seekers market right now. And if you find yourself hating where you work because of the people that you have to work with or because of what you do, then I would encourage you right now as the time, be looking for something else. And if you need help, if you need help putting together a resume, if you need help trying to figure out how to best interview or present yourself, we have people at Lakeside who are professionals, who have experience in hiring, who have offered to come alongside and do some resume coaching, who have offered to do mock interviews 
with you. And so if you find yourself there in a situation where you don't like where you are, but you feel stuck and you feel like I could never transition and I could never make a move, I just want to let you know that's available to you. And if that is a way that we could serve you, we would love to do that for you. But while you're there, while you're in the spot that you're in, you don't have a license to be disrespectful of your boss just because you don't like him or just because you think your boss is an idiot. As a follower of Jesus, we're told, be respectful. Even the bad ones. Even the bad ones. Also, also the unjust. And why? For this is a gracious thing, verse 19 says. For this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. This is a gracious thing when you unjustly suffer when you unjustly suffer. Now, we live in a society when somebody feels like they're persecuted because they make a horrendous decision with their life and then they have to live with the consequences. And we live with a society where everybody wants to be a victim and claim victimhood even though they're the ones who put themselves in a horrible situation because of horrible choices that they've made. And you aren't persecuted. I just want to tell you, you aren't persecuted and you aren't a victim when you willfully choose to make horrendous decisions and then have to live with the consequences of the choices that you have made. That's not what's being addressed here. What we're talking about is unjust suffering. This is what honors God. This is what pleases God. When you do good, and even though you do good, the response you receive is evil. The response you receive is evil. Even when you've done nothing wrong and you're still accused, this is the unjust suffering. And this, in the sight of God, this is a gracious thing when you are willing to endure that. Now again, if you find yourself falsely accused, one of, the, one of the great privileges that we have in our society is a system of checks and balances where you have the right where you have the right to challenge that. So you don't just have to sit there and say, thank you, may I have another. You can fight it, and that's perfectly within the realm of possibility within the system that we have. We have a lot of privileges, and I hope you appreciate those privileges that we have. But there are going to be times, and there are going to be situations, there are going to be circumstances where you do suffer unjustly. And God says, even in those times, when you suffer unjustly, you can let Jesus shine through you by how you respond. For to this, you have been called. Because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. And here's the reminder that as followers of Jesus, you, ex you expect suffering. Because we remember the sacrifice of Jesus. We remember the example of Jesus. And we remember that Jesus was perfect. We are not. Jesus suffered, so will we. And sometimes the reasons we suffer are of our own doing. But sometimes they're not. 
And we can cry all day about fairness. But the picture of Jesus is a reminder to us that there is nothing fair about grace. There is nothing fair about what God did for us. And he was the sacrifice for our sin. These are very practical steps of what it means to follow after Jesus. Sometimes we think that following God is, is memorizing a bunch of verses, and memorizing verses is fantastic. Again, Scripture is God's heartbeat to us, and we should, we should every chance we have sit there and engage with Scripture. So don't misunderstand me. I'm in no way discouraging Scripture memorization. But sometimes we think that following God is memorizing Scripture and praying, and praying is an essential spiritual discipline. It's essential for bringing us closer with God. So again, in no way am I trying to reduce the, the discipline and the necessity of prayer. But sometimes we don't think that part of us becoming more like Jesus is our response to government officials. Sometimes we don't think that our response to our boss at our workplace has anything to do with, what, with how we follow God. And what we're told here in very clear language is, no, it does. It matters to God. This is essential to how we grow closer to Him, how we live our lives. God is, God is concerned with every aspect in every area of our lives. When He was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. As we close out 1 Peter chapter 2, what are we told? We're told, look at this example and sacrifice of Jesus. Look at the example and remember the sacrifice of Jesus. That when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. That when he suffered, he didn't respond by threatening but instead remembered that God the Father is the final authority. That God the Father is the just judge. That even in our system of checks and balances, you may find yourself in a courtroom and the judgment may go against you. You may even find yourself one day before a corrupt judge. But he says, don't lose heart. Because even if that's true of your circumstances... There is a judge who is completely just. And we follow the sacrifice of Jesus. And I just want to pause for a minute. And I want to stop for just, just one minute and really discuss 1 Peter 2.24, which says, By his wounds you have been healed. And this is a play on Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5. He's going back and he's quoting the end portion of Isaiah 53, uh, 4 and 5. Now, some people interpret this promise is that 
if you're a follower of Jesus, you are guaranteed healing, physical healing, because they interpret this as, as it being said that because Jesus died on the cross, that at that moment in time, a fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah was that all sickness would be gone as a result of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, and that if you get sick and you're a follower of Jesus, it's either because you don't have enough faith or there's something wrong in your life. And if you have enough faith, you must be healed. The problem with that viewpoint is Matthew 8, verses 14 to 17. And I don't have time to take us there right, th right now this morning, but look it up. Don't just trust me, look it up. Matthew 8, 14 to 17, Jesus is healing Peter's mother-in-law, and then he heals other people in the region. And Matthew, in Matthew 8, verse 17, tells us explicitly that he did this to fulfill Isaiah 53, verse 4, which means that before the crucifixion of Jesus even took place, there was a fulfillment of this prophecy. That there was a fulfillment of this prophecy. And so what we're talking about here in the midst of all of this is by his wounds we are healed. What Peter's talking about in the context of all of, all of 1 Peter chapter 2 is that Jesus by his wounds on the cross has healed us of the greatest, of the greatest wounds we will, we will ever have. And that is sin. The greatest illness any of us will ever face even if you have a terminal disease, it's not your disease, but it's the illness of sin which impacts us all. And the promise of the crucifixion of Jesus is that by those wounds, you and I have been healed of the greatest sickness we have ever known and this world has ever known, and we still see it on full display. Now, do I believe that Jesus heals people physically sometimes? Absolutely. Absolutely. But understand that if you find yourself there with an illness and you've cried out to God repeatedly for Him to, for him to heal you and He's chosen not to, it's not because God isn't good. It isn't because His word isn't true. But it's because the healing that God accomplished on the cross was the healing that we all needed for the greatest sickness that we all possessed. And that was our sin. What God calls us to as a result of that sin being dealt with and us experiencing hope and forgiveness and grace in Jesus, our lives that honor Him, by how we respond to the government, by how we respond to our bosses, and by how we live our lives. May our lives be a reflection of the hope that we have and the goodness of God that he has promised us. God, I pray that we would honor you in times that it's easy and in times that it's hard. Thank you for enabling us to live in a society which en encourages and gives us incredible freedoms. Thank you for all those who have served. We remember the families of those 
who, who have members who have served and paid the ultimate price. And Lord, we pray that you would comfort them as we remember their sacrifice. God, I pray that our lives would honor you in these ways. That we would honor the emperor. That we would be subject to every human institution. That we would respect our bosses. That we would love one another. That we would serve. And God, that our lives would match the messages our mouths proclaim. So that when people see us, they see you. And we recognize, God, that sometimes things aren't going to go in our favor. And I pray that in those times, we would suffer as you did. And even in our suffering, we would point people to you. Thank you, God, for changing us. Thank you for healing us of the greatest illness we would ever have, our sin. And may our lives honor you, reflecting the change you've made in us. In your son, Jesus' name we pray.